trying to make it right These people won't let me go I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Let me grow, let me go Let me grow, let me go They should know, they should know They should know, they should know I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I'm joined by my guest, Ariza Rashid. Ariza Rashid, who uses she, her pronouns and goes by Ari, was born in Austin, Texas, and is the founder of the Queer Black Woman Alliance, which originally started as a group chat to help queer Black women build friendships and community in the Austin area. She is a Navy veteran with seven years experience in executive, cybersecurity, and legislative administration. Advocacy has always held a special place in her heart as she has served as a suicide prevention advocate, sexual assault prevention advocate, and multicultural community president at different duty stations throughout her military career. She's an aspiring criminal attorney and currently applying to law school to start in the fall of 2024. She is currently finishing her Bachelor's of Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with family and friends, boxing, writing poetry, traveling, and binge-watching good television series. She is dedicated to fostering a safe space for queer Black women and empowering them to become the best version of themselves. Hello! Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm good. It's Saturday morning. We're just chilling on a Zoom call. Yes, I love it. I love the vibes. We're not outside in the heat yet, so that makes me really, really happy. Yes, it's a blessing with each triple-digit numbers we've been experiencing this summer. Thank you. We're trying to currently plan like a birthday lunch for a friend of mine today. And they're like, well, we could go here. I'm like, that's all outdoor seating, and I refuse to be outside. So I agree. I, I don't agree. know what to tell you, um, but I <laughs> shan't be in attendance if that's where we pick. So here we are. Here we are. So I'm really excited you reached out. I don't know if we've ever met in person. We haven't. I actually found out about you through um, one of the Alliance board members, Mickey James. Ah, <gasps> oh, my girl. <laughs> yes. So that's how I found out about you. Um, yeah, Mickey had posted about you in the chat one day because I was like, hey, do you guys know of any um, any really good podcasts to listen to and stuff? And she had posted it and I was like, okay. And so I started listening and the theme song immediately had oh, me hooked. Listen. Like I, I would listen to it driving on my way to work, like getting ready in the morning. I was just like, oh my gosh, like I love this girl's theme song. Like this is amazing. And then obviously I love the content too, but you know, the theme song had me, you know, pulled me in. Mama Duke for the win, man. Like uh, when she, yeah, that, and that, I always tell the story, like I, Knew I wanted to start a podcast. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to have a theme song because I am a child of the 90s. Everything has to have a theme song, yes. obviously. Um, so my friend Madison made my logo and I was online. I was like, I need to find something. I was like, I, I need to trust. I was like praying for a theme song. 
And Mama Duke had like done a random rap and it was something along the lines of this. And I was like, hey, can you can I pay you for this to like change it into my theme song? And she's like, yeah. And that's that's how it happened. Like I was just scrolling Instagram and she had like put it out there and I was like, wait. (laughs) So that is so funny how the stars just align. Everything (laughs) just aligns. Universe aligned for you. Truly. And it's yeah, I sometimes just listen to the theme song. I'm like, I just need a little, (laughs) a little morning bop (laughs) to get the day going. Uh, going. Yeah. So wait, tell me more about all the things that you're doing because I know that's like our topic today to talk about yes we're black women's alliance all the stuff being born in Austin you know like the experience of living in Austin watching it change over the years watching it come more and more white but then I know for me I moved away for six months and I just moved back in May late May early June um and I you know I always make the the connection of like when I first moved here it was so hard because I grew up in a very diverse place I grew up in Connecticut which people think no black people live in Connecticut we do um but I grew up in a very diverse place in a very big family so I saw black people every day of my life and then moving here I think I went like I could go like three weeks without seeing a black person and be like um (laughs) hello so yeah I would just like to hear about your experience and how you how you've gotten here yeah for sure um, so I'm, you know, I was born in Austin. I'm an original Austinite. There's not many of us left. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I when I first grew up in Austin, there were it was only black and brown, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the late 90s. Um, you didn't really see like white people like that, honestly. It wasn't until I moved to Round Rock as I got older that I was around like more like around white people honestly like it was mostly just black and brown growing up for the most part Mm -hmm. and um it's been really sad to see it change um because it's it's Austin is growing rapidly yeah you know you know with like the tech boom we have Tesla here and everything all the you know people from California and you know more expensive you know states are moving here um but the black population is actually decreasing in Austin, mm-hmm. ironically, even though Austin is growing. And that's a lot of people have said they feel that it's due to lack of community. You know, there's so many people I know they'll move here and then they'll just be like, yeah, like I'm moving to Dallas. I'm moving to Houston because it's just too white. Like I just mm-hmm. can't do it. You know, there's nothing for us. And so when I, um, so I lived in Austin for a while, but I left for seven years when I was in the Navy. And then I moved back in um, December of 2020 because um, I got in UT and I was finishing, you know, starting to finish my undergrad there. And when I moved back, I was just like, OK, <laughs> um, I had just came to terms with the fact that I was queer you know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't come out or like even realize I was queer until I was like 25 years old. And I had just moved back from Maryland because that was like my last duty station right before this. And so um, when I was in Maryland, I was a part of a lesbian alliance in Baltimore and they had like disbanded, like they kind of just like went defunct out of nowhere. And um so when I came here, I was like, what if I brought this idea to Texas, you know, because I was like, man, it's really white here. 
Um, and at first I was like, well, what if I create a group chat of just like queer women of color? Cause I was like, you know, I'm, I want to make some friends. I'm queer. And then, um, after I thought about it, I was just like, I knew I wanted it to be the queer black woman Alliance. I knew that in my heart, but I felt like I would be looked at as if I was divisive or exclusionary if I mm. didn't make it all encompassing, you know, POC. But then I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm gonna call it what I want. Okay. okay. I was just like, I think so often Black people are just made to feel bad for wanting a safe space for themselves in a very unsafe world. Yep, absolutely. And I was like, you know what? I want to push up against that. And so I was really scared at first. I was like, what if this fails? What if it's a flop? Like I was talking to my really good friend, Deja Scantlin, shout out to Deja, because mm-hmm. she really is the push and the reason why this even started. I always say that it's funny, people that say like the most inconsequential things to you, like for me are usually like the most like life-changing things. Like they'll just say little things. And I was talking to her and I was just like, yeah, like, you know, I'm queer. I just came out. I'm in Austin. I really want some friends. And I was like, I think I want to start this chat. And she was like, girl, start that chat. Like (laughs) if it fails, delete it. No one will know. Who cares? She's like, why are you thinking so much about it? Yeah. And I was like, okay. So that was like the little push I needed. And um, I would have never dreamed in a million years that it would have turned into a nonprofit. I mean, honestly, the only reason I even went the nonprofit route is because I started thinking, okay, all of these social events are great because originally everything was happening at my house. But then one day I looked up and I was like, damn, there's like 30 people in my house. (laughs) Like maybe this is like bigger than a group chat at this point, you know? Um, And I was like, well, what if I can do something like impactful, you know, like helps people in like a substantial way and help them pursue their dreams. And I was, at first I was kind of like, I didn't want to do it because I knew I was getting ready to go to law school and anything I do, I want to be able to dedicate myself a hundred percent to it. But then I was like, you know what, if I can just do this for like a year or two years, who cares? Like I, I want to do this. And so that's how the nonprofit was born, you know, and, you know, now it's, it's like a safe space for friendships and community, but also, for like mental health awareness and getting you connected with counseling resources and, you know, helping queer black women pursue higher education and, you know, become entrepreneurs through giving grants. And I just, yeah, I would have never thought it just kind of grew into this thing that I hadn't anticipated in the beginning, but it's really beautiful and I'm glad about it. This makes me so happy. Uh, Yeah. I, you're talking about how you didn't come out till you were later. I didn't come out till I moved here in 2016 and I was 26. Um, okay. So, Fellow late bloomer. Yeah, same, same. Um, yeah, I mean, grew up like in a very accepting family, grew up around a lot of queer people. You know, two of my best friends growing up were gay men. And it just, so I was always around gay men. Um, but I never, I was like, oh, I think she's cute. But I'm like, I'm just appreciating the beauty of a woman. And I was like, no, <laughs> lies. You appreciate um, a little too hard. A little too much. Um, yeah. And so yeah, it came out when I was 26. And yeah, it's been an experience. And that year, that sense of community too, of like, you know, I have a lot of queer black women friends in the city specifically that I really like you're saying that experience is very specific. And so I love that you were like, no, I'm gonna be exclusionary and talking about how like that feeling of when black people create a thing 
and we make it just for us there's so much back backlash of like you're not letting other people in and what like but this is for us like there's nothing else in the world for us so we're gonna do this and it's gonna be for us so I'm like yes do it like ugh, create that that space <laughs> just for us and it's I think it's just too like I'm currently talking to someone who is a white queer person and so I'm like having this identity sort of crisis because like I come from a very like black family like my family is not going to care but I think for me it's this feeling of my grandmother passed last year my cousin who I've obviously know thank you um um, my cousin she just got married last year and her husband they've been friends for years and he's a black man and just watching them together and the shorthand of like you don't have to explain shit and I don't want to have to explain shit <laughs> so there it's just, is there is that cultural connection that right? comes with you know dating other black people typically yeah <laughs> so it's hard because then I think it's too of like dating black in the city I think is also hard and I and my friend who is a black gay man I'm not going to say his name but he's a black gay man and we talk about this often too because it's like we call ourselves like we date everyone along the the spectrum of queerness and blackness and all colors but you know it's so interesting to us like sometimes feeling like as black people to try to date other black people is hard too like the amount of black men I see with white women in this city it gets me and I don't know what it is because like I'm fine with it but in the grand scheme of things like I met two guys over the last couple of months who are younger black men who date only black women and we talked about it and they're like you seem surprised to go you two are young and new to the city I go I feel like it's going to change like I just feel like in my experience black men act like dating a black woman is like I don't know. I don't want to like rant about it, but I have a whole yeah, rant no, about it. You're of, touching like, on so many things. I mean, yeah, we could talk about that if you want to. But, please, because I need to talk know, to someone about it. Like, I mean, man, where do you want to talk about this from? We want to talk about this from a, a you know, a social perspective. To talk about it. From, I mean, we so can unpack it from all it. angles because I feel it's interesting because it's like I am fine. You love who you love, date who you love. That's not my thing. It's it's when I've talked to black men or like read things about black men or listen to black men on podcasts who just act like now that they've quote made it dating a black woman is beneath them or like I talk to friends too like as a person who suffers from like body dysmorphia and I've had an eating disorder for most of my life of like feeling like as a black woman no matter what I do I look like I'm never going to be in like quote good enough like I have seen Mm. like I've been out with friends like one of my friends is a white girl who we have a similar body type and so we were out one day and like we're parking her car and this black dude like it's not a good example what's the best example I can think of he like cat calls her and you would think I was invisible like I wasn't even fucking there like yeah. looked at her and couldn't be bothered and I told him like that's what I'm talking about I do not exist sometimes she's like oh shit and I was like it's just so yeah I clearly have a lot to unpack <laughs> in this but yeah, I, I think there is a there's a historical reason for a lot of this too I think that if you know, typically, and I hate to do it, but we got to bring her back to slavery. But, you know, <laughs> there is this, there is this idea. One, there's a fetishization of Black men. We have to call a spade That's a spade. That's true. Mm-hmm. 
And there's this idea that Black men are hypersexual and well-endowed. And, you know, and I think that that has persisted, you know, throughout history for like, since like forever, you know, and, and, you know, white women would uh, have consensual sex with Black men and then turn around and lie and say, you know, that they were raped or sexually assaulted because of the stigma of being with a Black man. And um, I think because, and I wouldn't say because, I think people love who they love. I want to start there. I think people love who they love. Um, I don't personally care if black men are dating white men. I mean, well, white women, white, yeah. date, date who you want to date. You know, yeah. you're grown. If you're, you know, consenting adults in a relationship, date who you want to date. Um, I do think it's peculiar when people state their reasoning for dating who they want to date as a disdain or a hate Mm -hmm. for people in their own culture. Um, And that seems to be very prevalent in the Black community. And I think that there is a kind of a status symbol, you know, I think Mm -hmm. for like, historically, it was like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, enslaved. And now, you know, I can date your women type thing. Yeah. And then now we're at a point where it's like, to be honest, there is a great, there's a great number of white women that won't really date black men unless they have money. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So they have to be, you know, they have to be established. So I think there's also that piece of like, I've made it and I have money now and I can have access to these women that maybe wouldn't have looked at me before. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, um, that's very enticing and, you know, very, make somebody feel special and then I do also think that yeah we have to have a real conversation about black men who have attempted to date black women and have been kind of shunned yeah because I've I've spoken to black men that have told me that too like yeah like you know like I'm too nerdy they think I'm gay or you know and so you go where you're appreciated so they you know they might be like hey you know over here I'm I'm cool you know Mm -hmm. I'm not and then there's also like you know, I've heard some Black men say there's an idea that they need to be hyper-masculine to the point where it mm. feels like they, you know, they can't really be themselves with Black women. And I'm like, man, there's just like so many different ways. So it's like you have people that are like, they're doing it because it's like, hey, I love this person and I just happen to find them. And then you have people that are like, they've been shunned by their community for not being quote unquote black enough. And so they find themselves dating white women, or then you have some people that are like, it is a status symbol. And they do think that, you know, white women are kind of like, you know, the top echelon of women to date, you know? And, and I think there's a lot to be said about that too, because typically what is given as reason for that is femininity, which I could talk about forever (laughs) because my brother-in-law, it's so funny. He asked me this the other day that we're talking about this. He said, what do you say to the men that want to date Black women, but they feel like they're just angry? Like they're just not feminine enough. And they're just, and I was like, you know what, Sean, I'm glad, you know, I was like, we can have a conversation about this because he was being very honest with the question. And I was saying him like, there's a level of femininity that black women just aren't allowed. Oh, say it again. <laughs> it is not. And I'm like, you got to really understand. I was like, even from childhood, like, 
you know, my earliest memories of interactions with men is being catcalled Mm -hmm. and feeling unsafe. Mm -hmm. And that's like a very prevalent thing for young Black women. And then, you know, also you just have to navigate the world as a young Black woman. There's an expectation, you know, that you're going to already be loud or you're going to already be ghetto. You're going to already be jaded. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And then there's also very real things that happen to you know, Black women that make them that way, you know, feeling like you have to be a hardened version of yourself. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with survival. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, I would say to those men that one, do you want to date? So I'm not saying like, you know, you got to stick beside Black women if they're, you know, a certain type of way. But I do think that there's something to be said that there's a reason that people are the way that they are and you have a right when dating to be like hey this is not something I want to deal with and something I do want to deal with but I think it's a it's a much bigger conversation than just like why are you always angry it's like there's a lot of reason for these things mm-hmm. um so I don't know I feel like I would tell them you know if you're interested and you feel like that's something you want to work through then you should go after it but if not don't you know yeah. people are people and I feel like at a certain point in your life you have to um make a decision for yourself what kind of life you want to live Mm because I feel like when I was younger I was very angry Mm -hmm. I was angry all the time Mm -hmm. and then one day I was just like man I'm tired of being angry I think (laughs) I need help and I got in therapy and I worked through a lot of things you know what I mean and so I think that there's something to be said about that too of like recognizing like yeah I am angry and while the world doesn't really let me be soft I don't have to carry that with me. You know, I have the, I can allow myself the privilege of being soft by creating a soft space for myself in my own life. And by working really hard to heal the parts of me that feel like that have robbed me of my, you know, what people traditionally see as femininity. I just want to bottle that up and sell it. Um, That part about like going where you're celebrated. Cause I think that too of like, the like I think about uh Danny Glover when he talks about like being a black nerd and like people not accepting him for that. So I'm like, there are so many black nerds in the world. So I'm always like, well, you just maybe like that's like going where you're celebrated. So like finding your people, um, like you did, like creating a space for people to to find their community and build that together. That makes me think of that. Um, the conversation about like black feminine femininity always fucking gets me. It is I'm currently in therapy, um, working on my softness. I have, I'm very, I'm hypervigilant. I've been very self-sufficient since I was like 16. So like I have an armor that my therapist says I can now let go of, which I'm like, Brittany, I've had it for like 20 years. You know how hard it is like take (laughs) something off that you've had for 20 years, but talking about that, that the pressure of being a black woman, because you're like, when you talked about trying to find your safety even as a young black girl like I think about the conversations that used to be had around black girls my age of being like well she's fast and she's doing this and blah blah I'm like but why aren't we questioning the adult that's around her like yes. that conversation of like you being home you can't wear those shorts in your house because x y and z is coming over I'm like well why is x y and z coming over and that girl can't be comfortable in her house like maybe we need to check him x, y, and z. Yes. yeah and not this young girl who's just like living and existing and being in her house um and then that also the the conversation around like 
being angry and mm. you know i've been seeing so many conversations lately about like black women's softness of like you're allowed to be soft like let men do things or like but what are we what are we supposed to do when in our in when in our experience we have seen you know black men leave our parents we've seen you know girls who grew up with their dad like women having to learn to be very self-sufficient and now you want us to just give that up and like trust you when we have our own trauma and experience i'm like there's 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 two sides to every story right like i would love to just be able to exist and not have to worry about things that would be ideal for me like life is fine something it'll all figure itself out i'm like no that's not my existence like i i've had to be self-sufficient and take care of myself since i was 16 17 years old so for me to be like well let me do this for you i'm like why like having to unlearn like what do you mean you want to like help me and do things and like abdicate like what's the catch yeah i'm like I'm so sorry. What? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I got it. And learning how to be like, okay, I will allow you to help me. And so, yeah, just the existence of like, I think it's that too. And then like being a queer black woman and like, for me, having to explain to my family what that meant and having to unpack some things in our family. Cause like, there's oh, yeah. like a definite split between my family of like people who are like, don't care love you accept you will love and accept whoever loves and accepts you like super easy Mm -hmm. fine and then we have the other side who are a little more air quotes conservative my family is not conservative but i'm like (laughs) the most liberal liberal to ever liberal and then we have the other side of my family and like having people who are very religious having people who have a problem with gay people just because having a problem with gay people because of the Bible, which I don't think I've ever specifically found it in the Bible where it says gay people are bad, but you know, I digress. And having to teach and unpack and unlearn and do all this work with my family and being like, you know what guys, I just, I need you to go read a book. Like I can't fix this for you if you don't want to fix this for yourself. Yeah. I also feel like another big thing too, that people don't talk about, is that mental illness is real in the Mm. black community Mm -hmm. and um growing up i was like that person might not be angry that person might just be mentally ill yeah but i feel like there's an expectation that um black children are not you know they're not even afforded the ability to be mentally ill you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so it's like you know, their behavior, if it's something out of the norm, instead of, you know, having a clinical approach, possibly of being like, maybe there's a mental illness here. It's like, oh, this person has behavioral issues. Yep. And it's like, no, that, that child might be going through some mental illness. And I think, you know, that's very big, you know, for Black women as well. It's like, there's, there's some mental illness there that I feel like goes undiagnosed because it's just seen as an attitude problem and things like that. And then also, you know, like what you touched on with the family dynamics, having to explain to your family I was raised Muslim so doesn't get more (laughs) socially conservative than that Mm -hmm. and so um it was a challenge it's still a challenge sometimes you know with certain family members of you know them understanding my queerness and um having those really like honest discussions and then just being very honest, like, I just, I'm, I don't accept it, you mm. know? And I think that for me, it's funny. I actually, I went through what I would call a rebirth 
recently where I just kind of shed the idea that I needed to show up in the world the way that other people wanted me to. Mm. And as you can mm-hmm. see, I cut off all my hair. Yeah. <laughs> and- as someone who has cut her hair four times, I I fully love this for you. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, um, it was therapeutic. It was, I mean, life-changing for me. Um, I had like a breakthrough of realizing like, I cannot be everything that everybody wants me to be. I kind of need to just show up for myself Mm -hmm. the way that I feel comfortable and the way that I would like to show up for myself. And um, that took a lot of silencing some family members' opinions, you know, even though I love them, you know, very much. It was just like, hey, this is my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I deserve to be happy and I deserve to live it the way that I want to. Um, and then I think you also touched on something else with that, uh, when you were talking about the dynamic, like how with, um, which say Donald Glover was talking about being black nerds. There are so many black nerds, like yeah. shout out to the blurds out there. Truly my um, people. <laughs> I'm like, come on, were, were the black nerds not checking for you or were you just not checking for the black nerds? You know, like, uh-huh. but yeah, yeah, I do agree. There is that that idea of being like ostracized in your own community too, that can pull you into like dating, you know, one way or the other, because I personally experienced that growing up. Um, I dated outside my race a lot of the times because it's, I wasn't, I didn't feel beautiful. Like I didn't, like you were saying, like, I didn't feel like, you know, black men found me attractive and um, you know, I'm dark skin. So there was like your blackie, your charcoal. It was all of that mm-hmm. growing up. And so I was like, man, you know, like if they're just not all that into me, I'm just going to go where like somebody's into me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did, you know? And so I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, people that find themselves in those spaces too. Um, and black people are not a monolith. I wish people would let that go. Mm-hmm. Like we can, we can be different and it does not mean we're whitewashed. Yeah. We can just, you know, maybe they like anime. I mean, they're not black. Yeah. Okay. Like maybe they like listening to Panic at the Disco. I was gonna say maybe we just like emo music. <laughs> maybe I just like the when the beat drops in house music. Let me live. Right. Like why? Why does that mean they can't be black? Like, well, this I hate my, this idea you can take somebody's blackness from them. Like, what and the question it. Yeah, my cousin Avery and I were three years apart. Um, she's three years younger, and she was with me all the time, and so we had this. We're currently going through a renaissance, we'd be calling it like we're not, we're refusing to raise our parents. And so she's not talking to her mom. I'm really not talking to my dad and they are siblings. And so we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. She's like, I just think I'm so grateful that I got to see you as an example of just existing. She goes, you never asked anyone for permission. She goes, you just did things you liked. I go, yeah, no, I felt the freedom to do so like my mom may she rest like she's like try everything do anything you want to do and you know it's very much how I still live my life now like there's a quote from a book that was like I stopped asking people's permission permission for a life they've never lived and so I'm like this is this is mine like I like you're saying I get to decide what this looks like and I get to decide who I want to be around and who I want to love and who I want you know all those things and so you know Avery and I had the conversation so I was telling her about this person who I'm seeing who was white. And she was like, I think our grandma's like, I think Nana's going to care less that they're not, a, you know, that they're queer and more that they're white. And I was like, that's for her to unpack. That's not 
that's not my work to do right now. I'm like, I'm just existing and it just so happens. I'm like, and we're not even like anywhere yet, right? Like we just started seeing each other. Like it's just this thing. But I, you know, for so long, I was from very young, I was like the black sheep in my family because I just was like, I am not going to fit into the mold. And I want so many more of us to have that experience. Just be like, I gonna exist. And I think that's what I think about queerness is like just being able to exist. And yeah, I think people I've read somewhere that like queerness as a black person is is our is our existence period. Like even if you were a black person who is cis and hetero, your experience is still queer because it's different in some way because of, because mm. we're not the quote norm. So anything we do, like you and I talking about like liking anime, liking emo music, liking whatever, because it's not typically, quote, the norm for black people, whatever that means. Like every black person has had some sort of, quote, queer or, quote, out of the norm experience. And so I think why what frustrates me a lot of the time with black people is like our experiences are all different, mm-hmm. but we're all going through some sort of relearning or or experience of like our own personal growth because we have to unlearn and and shed like you're saying what our family's expectations were of us what our own personal expectations might have been you know that whole like get married I'm sorry go to college get married buy a house have kids and I'm like hi I'm almost 34 <laughs> like there's no I've gone to college do I have my master's no because I did not know what I wanted to do with my life my family's always like you went into nonprofit work I go we'll figure it out I don't know what I'm doing but just being able to be like just to exist and just yeah. like like to bring it back to what you're saying like just building this community and the space for people to exist and be with other people who just exist and to talk about what that existence has looked like even though they're going to be different experiences yes I think that's so important and you touched on a lot I, I definitely think that's so important and that also kind of ties back into like we were talking about earlier with like how black women navigate the world mm-hmm. there's a privilege that comes with being able to just do what you want to do it's like Mm -hmm. okay I might do this and I'm looked at and I'm ghetto and I'm ratchet but you know you know a white woman might do it and it's it's new it's 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 edgy edgy you know what I mean so there's like there's all this expectation it's like oh if I raise my voice then I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm you know but if you know another woman does it it it's kind of sexy she's empowered yeah, you know, and it's like, man, like we really, it's like you really got to like live by a completely different set of rules. Mm-hmm. And it's so not fair, especially when you're a little black girl growing up, just trying to navigate life. It's like, man, can I just be like, I know what you're saying, like, yeah, like, can I just be like, can I just like, just go through life without all of these stigmas and expectations? It's like, either I'm too loud, or then if, if you're super quiet, they're like, why is she quiet? You know, mm-hmm. and she and she got a stank attitude. Why is she not talking? She's bougie. She thinks she's too good for everybody. It's like, damn, she talks oh. too much. She's ghetto and she loud. Mm-hmm. And she's quiet. She's bougie. She, you know, and even same with like, I've been seeing lately about like women's bodies. It's like, if you get the BBL, it's like, oh my gosh, why do you have the BBL? But then if you have a natural body, it's like, oh, look at her regular, regular mm-hmm. ass body. It's like, can we exist you know can we just exist it's like no matter what you do someone's gonna have something to say about it period point blank mm-hmm. so do what you want to do okay at that point just, just do what you want to do if if what you are doing in life is bringing you joy and it is not bringing harm to others do what you want to do and it's hard it's a hard journey to come to that and to really come to that space in your life but it's important it's really important yeah I'm thinking like you're just saying like the do like we can't just exist like 
my I have an older cousin who used to be like, you think you're better than everybody. I'm like, no, clearly you think I think I'm better than like you are a grown up saying this like a 12 year old. Like for so I just couldn't be like I would just laugh at her. I'm like, you need to go to therapy. I was like, this has nothing to do with me. You clearly need to unpack some stuff. I'm just out here living freely in a way you've never been able to do. Maybe you take a note out of my book. And she did not like that note, and we haven't really spoken since. But I'm over here living lavish, and she's over okay. there angry, upset, acting like the world has done her wrong. I'm like, girl, you could just like let that go, heal, let that shit go, go let to that therapy, go heal, figure your life out, stop worrying yes. about other people. Like, yeah, that really just got me. Like th- that, that, that saying of like, well, she thinks she's this, and she's. I'm like, I just think I'm trying to live. I get one. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> It's been 33 years. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold your stuff when I'm trying to figure out my own stuff. No, no, no. no it wasn't gonna happen. I'm glad you did it. Thank you. Um, I wanna know too, like to bring back to your queer black woman alliance, because I need all the details because I'm now feeling like I need to tap in. Um, <laughs> how is it going? Like what what does building community look like for all of you? I'm looking at your notes here talking about the drama, which I was just talking about this with a friend the other day, because I'm going to my ex's wedding. Oh, because they're, because queer, um, and I like I adore their new partner. Like they are two Virgos. They're getting married. They're actually going to be in the podcast in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I love their love. And everyone's like, How are you okay? I'm like, because we weren't meant to be together. I know that. Like I am fine. And we were talking about like that queer connection too. Like when you build community, even when you break up, you're like, but <laughs> there's still like that connection you have, but that note about like the drama and then like the future of it. I just, it made me think of that, of like the connection I have felt to being with queer black people. Um, My first ex, her wife who I've never met follows me on Instagram. I'm like, girl, love this for us. Like, let's chat about, what do you want to know about your wife? Like I have, I just don't hold anything in my heart. I'm like, we weren't meant to be together. I'm happy that they have found their people. My person is coming eventually one day as <laughs> the universe tells me um but yeah I just want to I want to know more and how to get tapped in and what it's been like you know since it was founded and what it's what it's come to grow into now because you said you had 30 people in your house I'm like that is like a perfect day for me like I would love to have <laughs> 30 people at my house at all times so okay yeah, yeah. so we already kind of touched originally on how it began mm-hmm. but um I didn't really talk about like you know, how it became a nonprofit, because I definitely wanted to, you know, give a special shout out to the entire Queer Black Women Alliance team, um, Annette Ngene, Nikaba Watson, Mickey James, Katavia Femster, Hadassi Romeus, y'all are beautiful beings inside and out, and this work wouldn't be possible without y'all's, you know, selfless and tireless dedication to community. Um, you know, we have an amazing board that works really hard to put on events and everything, um, but the drama, <laughs> so the unexpected downsides. Okay. So like I said, when I went into this, I did not know there would be drama. I think I, you, know, you never was, do. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just creating this, this great fun space and everybody's going to be friends. And it's going to be like a utopia. Then I realized anytime you have people, you were going to have drama period. People come with their own stuff and there was this point in my life where I had to do a very like uncomfortable weird transition from the alliance being a group chat 
that I ran out of my house and everybody had a hundred percent unfiltered access to me at all times and a business. And, um, I think that before when it was just a group chat, there was, it was kind of like, I was always there. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're running this group chat, everybody's coming to your house. So it's like people, they kind of flock to you as like, you know, they feel safe with you, but there's one of me. And now in the group chat, there's like 200 plus women. So (laughs) it became a lot to handle really fast as far as like personal relationships that don't work out, like friendships Mm. that don't work out or romantic relationships that don't work out. And this expectation that I'm there to like mediate all of it. And I'm just like, I just made a group chat. (laughs) Like I just just came here for a friend. I just came here to kick it. But I think that because I had created such a safe space, I had to realize that there was an expectation of me as like a leader. And I didn't realize that at first. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just one of y'all. Like we all just kicking it, you know, like, and it was like, no, like you created this space. So there's an expectation that, you're going to mediate the drama and you're going to um, also hold yourself to this like very high standard too Mm -hmm. that I think people don't realize. It's like you're up here now or something. And it's like, man, I just, I was just kind of trying to, you know, kick it and have some friends. But um, over time I learned that I had to establish healthy boundaries and also rely on my team and not feel like I have to do everything alone because that started really weighing really heavily on me because I'm like, okay, this person's not dating this person anymore. And now it's awkward or mm-hmm. I'm not really talking to this person anymore. And it's weird because all these events are at my house and I like, how do I mediate? And like, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of missteps on my, on my end because I had never done anything like this, you know, like it had never made something that went from group chat to full-blown business. Yeah. But, and so I'm like, there was a time frame when I had to realize like, okay, how would you respond to this situation as Ari? And how would you respond to the situation as the Alliance founder and president? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those are very different. And I had to realize at a certain point that this is bigger than me. You know, and I think that I I never really understood that in the beginning that, yeah, like people are going to hold you to a higher standard and it's going to feel really unfair sometimes because, but this is bigger than me. And so I had to adjust and go into more business Ari and realize how to mediate the drama and the interpersonal conflict and all of those sorts of things um, from a business perspective, which was a very weird transition in my life because I'm like one second I'm like oh these people are just my friends and then now it's like oh crap like I'm like the founder and president of a, mm. a nonprofit org like there's you know I have to do things differently here um but yeah I didn't think there would be drama <laughs> very naively but that's not to say I, there's a lot of upsides you know obviously there's the community there's the friendship and it's so amazing being able to go to an event and see nothing but like beautiful queer black women. Just like, man, like there's something special about queer black womanhood. And there's just a very unique experience that we have that existing at the intersection of queerness and blackness and womanhood and getting to be in a community with other women who have 
similar stories or similar backgrounds or similar experiences or similar plights like you do is just amazing. And so, and then also too, there's like the really awesome part of getting to give back, you know, like right mm-hmm. now we're in the process of um, we're running our higher education grant cycle. So mm-hmm. we're giving, you know, small grants of like 250 to $500 to a bunch of different queer black women that are in college. Like the only requirement is that you're in college, you apply, we're going to pick some people, but, you know, and mm-hmm. like being able to like do something substantial like that for people and it's like help people achieve their dreams and help people attain their goals. It just feels amazing. Like it, it really does. And I feel like because of that, like all of the good outweighs any of the bad, like any day. How do we get involved? How do we, how do we find it? How do we let the people know where can we find you? How can we get involved? Where are events happening? Yes. Give, give us all the details. So you can get involved by following us on Instagram at Queer Black Women Alliance ATX. That's where you can find, you know, all of our upcoming events and stuff like that. You can also go to our website at QueerBlackWomenAlliance.org. And we have all of our stuff on there, all of our upcoming events, all of our upcoming grant opportunities. Um, What else we have on there? Some merch. We're updating our merch right now. So if you're, you know, interested in getting some merch, you can do that. Um, We also have group chats, which you can find on either our Instagram or our uh, or our website. We have Discord. We also have GroupMe. We got it all, baby. (laughs) We even have like a little dating channel in our Discord that I'm always hoping it's popping, but everyone's always so nervous. And I'm like, y'all, like, come on, get in there. No risk, no reward. Right. Um, But yeah, that's where you can keep up with us doing all of the things, all of the amazing things. I also want to know too, like, what's the age space looking like right now? Is it primarily like twenties to thirties? Do you, you know, I just that's also an interesting. It's so funny you say that. So I would say the bulk of our demographic is anywhere from like twenty five to thirty five. Okay, but we have a lot of outliers. Like we have. Love a couple us. women in our group that are in their 50s and their uh, 60s, which I love. They'll love. come turn it up with us. And I'll be like, girl, I love you are out here living your best <laughs> life on this boat with us. And then we also have, you know, like a, a younger demographic too. People that are like 20, 21, 22. I think everybody in the group is probably 21 plus. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, but yeah, for the most part, probably around like 25, 35, I think is our, our demographic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to know I'm about to be tapped in. Like Mickey told me about it when we recorded on the pod last year, year before. Yeah. Um, and then I like went out of town for a while. Like then I traveled for six, six weeks, eight weeks, mm-hmm. and then I got back and life happened and life got crazy. So I feel like this coming back around is the universe being like, hey girl, um, <laughs> just wanted to circle back to the top of your inbox and remind you that this this exists. I think it's just such a beautiful like you're saying I'm just so excited for like I have a really good friend Era um who is a black queer woman and we have been talking about like wanting my Era Juliet the love of my life yes she's in the group as well oh we about to fight I'm about to hit her right now and cut her cuss her out because that's my bitch I love Era (laughs) so much so much I love her but that is so it's such a small queer world okay that's the that's the other thing is that the queer black community I feel like is so it's like five degrees like everybody knows everybody which is good but also (laughs) drama um but yeah I'm excited I'm so excited for y'all and 
Is there, so as a nonprofit, can, are you just like donation-based? How can people give back to you? How can we help y'all, y'all grow? Yeah, um, you can definitely donate to us. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> There's a donation tab on our website, queerblackwomenalliance.org. We would absolutely love that. We're actually in the process of um, getting tax exempt status so that we can apply for, <gasps> you know, those big grants and give those back. Because right now we are 100% we're donation-based and also event-based. So mm-hmm. all of our events um, fund our grants that we give back to the community. So whenever you come party with us, you're not just partying. You are also helping a fellow queer Black woman obtain her goals or achieve her dreams. Just Okay, tagline. <laughs> okay, I mean, really, though, you know, like we actually have, um, we have an event tonight, Queer Speed Funding. Yeah, for Say black and brown queer mm-hmm. speed friending. Okay. So it's for the entire BIPOC community. So instead of speed dating, it's speed friending, you know, and it's the same exact concept. You sit across from a stranger for a set period of time and there are ice icebreaker questions on the table and you know you see if you can make a new friend and I'm really excited for this because Austin needs something like this, you know, like they're saying, you know, especially for like the BIPOC community and to get people connected. Um, and if you want to support us, you can go to queerblackwomenalliance.org, donate. You can follow us on Instagram, Queer Black Women Alliance ATX. Yeah, super excited. Well, I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. I could talk to you for days, but we're almost at time and I want to be respectful of our hour together. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, every time I talk to him, I'm like, I know we said an hour, but I want to talk to you for like three, but it's fine. We have lives. Um, at the end of every episode, I like to ask my guests a final sort of palate cleanser question. Um, you can answer whichever part you like, but the question is, what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you'd give your younger self? I'm going to do both. How about that? Live it. Live it. Um, one of the best advice I was ever given My father always used to tell me that life is not a popularity contest. And I'm glad he told me that Mm -hmm. because I think that's important for me to remember sometimes. And then also the advice I would give my younger self, I would tell young Ari that she's beautiful and wonderfully made. And that although she may be struggling, she's got an undying resilient spirit and one day she's going to change the world that's it for this week's episode of the tea with brie be sure to follow the podcast on instagram at the tea with brie send me an email at the tea with brie at gmail.com or visit the website the tea with brie podcast.com you can find me your host brianna jenkins on instagram at brianna jenkins don't forget to rate review and follow on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts a special thanks to mama duke for our theme music and i will catch you next time bye